What would the internet be without animals doing funny and amazing things? Cats riding robot vacuums, for example. But if you've seen footage of animals counting, that could actually be useful for showing us how humans learn, not just for procrastinating at work, for example. Brian Butterworth is a professor at the Institute of Cognitive Neuroscience at at University College London and the author of a book called Can Fish Count? What Animals Reveal About Our Uniquely Mathematical Minds. Professor Butterworth, welcome to Life Matters. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You've been researching how animals count because it could help with a human learning disorder. Tell us about that disorder. Uh, well, we call it dyscalculia, and it's it's very specialised and very specific, and it affects somewhere between 45 and 5.5% of the population, adults and children. So you can be very old and unable to to do very simple arithmetic, or you can be very young and unable to do very simple arithmetic. And what we know, at least from studies in the UK, I don't think they've been carried out in Australia yet, is that having this disability is a real serious handicap because it will reduce your opportunities for getting a good job and earning a decent living. It also indirectly affects your health. Uh, So people who have severe learning difficulties with mathematics um, earn less, uh, get promoted uh, less, um, and and often find themselves uh, ill as partly as a result of that and partly as a result of the fact that, that they're not very good at reading uh, reading their thermometers or checking their health statistics. Oh, yes. Well, obviously it's something that's useful to turn our attention to. Brian, why did you decide that looking at the ways that non-humans count would perhaps help people suffering from dyscalculia? Well, the first question is why do some uh, individuals suffer from dyscalculia? Uh, the symptoms of dyscalculia, that the defining characteristics of dyscalculia are an inability to do really, really simple uh, arithmetical tasks. So you're hopeless at six plus nine, for example, learning what six plus nine is. Some people learn it as a matter of rope, but you don't really understand why six plus nine equals 15. And what we found long time ago now, I think uh, we published this in 2004, so it's nearly 20 years ago, uh, was that People who had this difficulty were also very bad at just saying how many things they could see. So you show them six dots and they will get get that right, but they'd be very slow to do it. Uh, so whereas you and I might be able to estimate it uh, quite quickly, they would probably try and count it and they would take a long time. So timed dot enumeration is what we call it, uh, went along with this condition. And so we thought it might underlie that condition. Now, if it underlies that condition, uh, maybe there's uh, a genetic reason for this. Maybe they inherit uh, a rather inefficient mechanism for it. Now, if they inherited it, uh, then uh, maybe they inherited it from an ancestor or ancestor of an ancestor. So seemed to us to be worth looking into this. Now, one of the problems with working with humans is that uh, you can't do genetic manipulations with humans. But if you look at fish, 
um, and other sim other simpler creatures, uh, sometimes you can actually manipulate the genetics to see if this affects the way that they um, can do numerical tasks. Uh -huh. And one thing, <laughs> and one thing that we've known for at least eighty years is that some creatures can actually do uh, simple sums and do simple counting. That's so we, the really interesting bit, isn't it, Brian? I think our listeners are going to be fascinated to hear whether animals count differently to us. Um, if you mean, does their brain do it in a different way? Um, the answer is we don't really know because the brain, the counting brains of animals have only been investigated in fish and in monkeys. So we don't really have brain evidence for this. Uh, we do know that they, uh, they're similar in some ways. When we did a fish experiment a few years ago, what we found was that uh, in the range of one to four dots in this particular case, or one to four fish, um, the, the fish were pretty accurate and they were accurate uh, really from birth. So we tested newly hatched fish and what we call more experienced fish. So it looked as though the fish had a mechanism for uh, these small numerosities. And this was different from uh, larger numerosities. So these fish uh, would be able to count larger numerosities. But uh, in the experiment that we did, the counting got more and more difficult as the numbers went up. So there's one uh, mechanism in their brains, which is good for up to about four objects in their environment, and then another mechanism that does uh, larger numerosities. And what we, what many people have found, not just us, this is true for humans as well, there seems to be one mechanism for small numerosities and uh, another mechanism for larger numerosities. So uh, we th we think that tells you something about the way in which uh, fish uh, count. Yes, the I way guess they count. A, a lot of, sorry. To us. Well, yes. No, no. So a lot of us might assume that to count you need uh, words and language, but is that not the case for humans? Certainly not for fish. You and I use words to count, but there are a few language few language users still left in the world whose languages do not have counting words so there's been experiments uh, with indigenous people in uh, in the amazon who don't have counting words in their language and most uh, australian aboriginal languages don't have counting words so uh, we've done some work with uh, Aboriginal groups uh, in um, in the central desert and on Crute Island, where the language is there, uh, Walbury in the central desert and Anandiliagua on Crute Island, don't have counting words, and we tested the kids. And what we found was that the kids uh, in these places were able to do numerical tasks just the same as young kids in Melbourne, but uh, they didn't use uh, number words to do it. So you can't ask you can't ask a a Walbury speaking uh, five year old how many objects there are, because how many isn't really a good idea for them, and secondly they don't have a word for 
four or five or three. So you can't do, do it that way. You have to find another way of assessing their numerical ability. And what, as I said, what we, what we found was that uh, these kids who were monolingual in these languages, we did, we did this uh, study over 20 years ago. So it means that, uh, that before these communities were as connected as they are today, we, we found that the kids, if you tested them in the right way, did just as well as kids in Melbourne who spoke English. That's fascinating. I do want to get to the bees before we finish up, <laughs> because it, I guess uh, my assumption is that there's something useful in an evolutionary sense for animals when they count. How does that show up for uh, an animal like a bee? Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's very useful for animals. So in, in the case of fish, uh, before I get to bees, the, oh, yes, in, the case of fish. <laughs> in the case of fish, it's uh, it's useful for little fish to join shoals and the larger the shoal the better because this is reduce reduces their the risk of predation so when the when a predator comes along if the little fish is in a big shoal then it's less likely to be eaten by the by, by the predator bees um don't have that problem and don't uh use uh numbers in the same way uh they use numbers to count landmarks so if they if they discover if a, a scout bee discovers that uh, there's a food source uh, three landmarks away, this is useful information that that she will communicate to the hive when she gets back. You know, go over there, go over in this direction for about three major landmarks worth. Um, it also seems to be useful for uh, selecting uh, flowers with the uh, the most pollen and uh, you they count the petals or can count the petals and use that along with other cues like for example the color of the petals so for bees and, and fish this is important in the case of um, primates uh, primate groups often fight um, so chimpanzees groups fight with other chimpanzees groups as we know from the work of Jane Goodall and lions um, are territorial, and, and, and they fight with other prides. So uh, it's important for them to know if they're going to win or lose and, uh, in a fight, because it could be a matter of life or death. And one of the ways in which they decide whether they're going to attack an in intruder is to see whether there are more of them than there are of us. And we know from some very clever experiments that they actually do this assessment. So they, they hear, let's say, three invading lions coming into their territory, and there are six of them. So the six of them will uh, uh, attack the, uh, the incoming lions. Uh, so it, in the case of fight or flight, actually being able to to decide if there are more of them than of us is actually useful. Yes, indeed. Relative versus absolute number would be very crucial. I love this text that's popped in while we've been speaking, Brian. My dad grew up on a farm and discovered this, that animals can count, when they tried to trap the crows stealing the chook eggs. They had to have at least five people go into the chook shed and then have four leave. Otherwise, the crows wouldn't go into the shed because they knew someone had stayed behind. How do birds count? Because a lot of us know that birds are very smart. Tell us perhaps a little bit about Alex the parrot. Oh, Alex the parrot, through 
a lot of very, very uh, detailed and extensive training, was able to uh, say how many objects there were on a tray. So if you say to, if you say, I mean, Alex, alas, is no longer with us, but if, you, if you'd if you ask him how many red objects there are on the tray, when they're, let's say, red and blue objects, Alex would actually utter the word corresponding to the number of red objects, it might say three. Um, I mean, from my experience reading about Alex, um, he would often say, that he wasn't interested in this and he wanted to go back to his cage. Um, so he wasn't always a cooperative uh, parrot, but he could actually use the words if he cho- so chose uh, to. Um, and his his comprehension of uh, number words was also quite good. Up to about six, I would say, he'd been tested. We're speaking with Brian Butterworth, who's an emeritus professor at the Institute of Cognitive Neuroscience at University College London. His research has focused on fish and how they count and how that may be able to help us with learning disorders involving counting, including dyscalculia. Brian, where is this research at? Are we having any joy finding some uh, help for people with this condition? Uh, Yes, there is help for Uh, people with this condition, uh, we've designed some games which focuses on getting learners to assess the number of objects in a display and then combining these objects to make uh, larger sets of objects or dividing them to make two or three smaller sets of objects. And what we found in experiments in London and in Italy and more recently in Singapore is that playing this game, which progresses from just uh, using objects with numbers on them and ultimately with numbers, uh, really helps kids do basic arithmetic. Um, We don't have long-term effects for this yet, uh, but we're hoping that we might be able to do this in the future. Certainly uh, in in Singapore, for example, there. Uh, they would like to roll out this game, make it available to to all schools there, having done quite a large trial. Um, and, and we've been using it, uh, as I say, in, in England and in uh, Italy, and also in uh, Argentina and Uruguay. And they're, they're quite keen to use it. So the, the idea here is you go from sets of objects which you can count or you can estimate to the process of, combining or splitting these sets of objects in in a way that corresponds to addition and subtraction. That's really, really great to know that this fascinating research on non-human counting can have these real-world applications. Brian, thank you so much for your time explaining that to our listeners on Life Matters today. Welcome. Brian Butterworth, an emeritus professor at the Institute of Cognitive Neuroscience at University College London. His book's called Can Fish Count? Turns out, yes, they can. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.